We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back once more for the final episode of Hunters here on our Hunters AfterBuzz TV After Show. I am your host, Kevin Allen, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Miss Haley Graves. Hey, guys, I cannot wait to talk about this finale. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, man, we, we're just kind of going over how we're going to run down the show, and we are itching to get into it. So on that note, let me just run down the show real quick. We're going to talk about Travis. He's in jail. We're going to talk about Jonah. He's on the hunt. And we're going to talk about Meyer. He's something else entirely. Uh, and we're going to end off this season with some speculation about what's to come, because boy, howdy, did they leave us on some sort of cliffhanger. Uh, but before we get into it, Haley, if it's possible, do you have overall thoughts, like nothing too specific, too detailed, just about how you liked the episode? Okay, I can tell you this. I might have <laughs> an unpopular opinion when it comes to one of the biggest mind-blowing plot twists of this episode. And mm. then also, I have not enjoyed a season finale of a show this much in a very, very long time. Yeah. I, I might have, I don't want to say I left out of my seat, but I definitely changed positions on the couch when it happened. Uh, There's so much of this episode that just had me like my face getting closer and closer to the television. See, mine was really cool stuff. I was more doing just this, just, (laughs) <laughs> that was more of <laughs> the draw slowly yes. going to the floor <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> nice okay well okay then let's just jump into it uh, i want to start with travis in jail because i'm so happy that guy is in jail uh millie got what she wanted she brought justice to a murderer this psychopath is now behind bars he has not won the day he is now separated from his little uh boys club of Nazis, and he still scares the ever-living hell out of me. But, okay, is he really that separated, though? Because this episode takes us deeper into the mm-hmm. twistest, twisted mind that is Travis. <laughs> and he is almost happy and encouraged by being in prison now. And while he's making very scary threats at Millie, who's trying to get information about this Nazi Mm -hmm. regime. He also starts telling her that he sees this 
almost in an opportunistic way because he's like, I have some of the most volatile, evil beings in one place that are just harboring anger. And he also just describes the situation as him going to being able to manipulate all of them. And that to me was just like, holy hell, he's about to go after all these prison people to start following him or something like he's plotting something in his mind. And I think that's what is the most scary factor of Travis is the fact that his, he has no loyalties other than to himself. And he not, he never really had any loyalties to the Nazis. He is, you know, complete American, like we've known. And I think that's what ultimately is scary. But at the same time, we slightly see a soft spot in him for the first time when we see him with his parents in the prison. So and we actually see him cry. But it, that was a manipulation. You think? Like, Oh, absolutely. You were just talking about how his whole master scheme <sighs> is to manipulate these uh, prisoners into building an army under his leadership. So when he was like, I feel like everything he's presented to his parents were, was a facade because they're, they were shocked that, that he murdered somebody. And his, his dad's like, I'm so completely confused by this behavior. They never expected it from the son. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So I believe that he was putting up a facade or uh, you know, putting up some sort of personality for them, playing the model son to them. And he was just kind of like, remolding that personality into yeah. one of like, oh, I'm just a troubled teen and I need help. I think it was absolutely a manipulation because at the very end of it too, he's like, I, you need a really good lawyer, lawyer perhaps one of those Jewish ones, which fed right into yeah. his, his plan of murdering them in front of everybody to, you know, be the king in the prison yard. See, I think it was absolutely a manipulation. That's I this guy's whole do, So I will say like, I can see that it was manipulation, but for me, I don't know necessarily that I was looking at Travis, the character at this point. What I found really interesting about this was the specific writing that they chose to come from the parents, because I saw a lot of, and this is kind of deep here, y'all. So, you know, just bear with me. I love deep. But I kept kind of comparing. Travis and what oftentimes happens in our society today and that a lot of these instances where there's mass violence that you see on the news immediately an image of the kid who has committed um, these massive acts of violence and immediately the storyline that goes with it is they were neglected as a child they had had traumatic experiences with their parents they have all of this sort of baggage that is supposed to almost in a sense, ease our minds or make us feel like what they did was justifiable or there was a reason for it, or it's validated. 
and but I there was, was some catalyst for it. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that this was interesting that the writer specifically had the dad point out, we gave you everything. We mm-hmm. were, we told you we were proud of you. We told you we loved you. We gave you ice cream. We did everything that you ever wanted. How could you now murder people? And so I thought it was really unique that they took that perspective of a child coming from a completely normal home and being raised the way he was, but him still just ultimately, in a sense, being pure evil. So rather than, uh, you know, rather than him, rather yeah. than us getting this story of Travis coming from this dark home or this dark past or somehow validating why Travis is the way he is, now we're left still almost wondering why or if he really is just you know, not okay in the head because they, for some reason, like had his parents bring up the fact that he had a completely normal childhood. You know, I dismissed that originally because Greg Austin based his performance on Ted Bundy. And I think he did an amazing job uh, (laughs) because he definitely captured the spirit of Ted Bundy. But I, you're right. I, with that in mind, it didn't click to me that Greg Austin, while being inspired by Ted his first performance, didn't write the role. Yeah. So the writers were probably just inspired by, I, I would just say, white male rage. Yeah. And left it at that. Yeah. That's hmm, good observation because that's that's some important distinction. You know, because like he, like, like there is like how you just mentioned, like there is a distinction. Like while he does a great job of being very Ted Bundy-esque and having this persona of everything we would imagine a serial killer to being almost to the exact T Mm -hmm. but the difference is how it was written and the fact that he had a normal childhood so the fact is is Travis just purely evil I mean that's going to be still written and remain to be seen but that's his tendencies are along those lines oh Absolutely. And uh, another point I guess I might disagree with you on, though, because, yeah, he's pure evil. But I still (laughs) think he's also super loyal to the Reich. You know, he's still Heil Hitlering with tears in my eyes in the middle of the night loyal. And his just just... new version of the plan, like he's just working with the tools he's got, is to build an army by... uh, like basically using the white male rage of the prison community and his advantage and giving them a new scapegoat, you know, just like he's basically tapping into that, the frustration that you had mentioned is very present in our socio political climate or whatever. Uh, and just giving them a direction in which to channel that anger. Yeah. Whatever it was that got them into prison, he's just going to be like, no, all of you guys, it's really this thing. And they're just going to, whatever scapegoat they had when they came in, they're going to turn toward the Jews yeah. and he's going to manipulate things from the inside out. Yeah. He's, in my opinion, he's still totally committed to the Reich. Uh, but you're. See, and like, I will say the only mm-hmm. difference is where I feel like the Reich is committed to Hitler and Hitler's vision. I feel like Travis admires Hitler but has no desire to follow Hitler I think that Travis wants to be his own version of Hitler and rise to power and follow in the steps of what Hitler did and have that same following and have that same violence and just darkness that Hitler brought into the world 
but I don't necessarily think he wants to be a follower of Hitler. That's why I don't think that he's that. Oh, okay. You're right. Because in that previous episode, no, two episodes back, he, when he killed Tobias, he mentioned like the Americans, we approve upon everything you guys do. I have a half an inch on Hitler. Yeah. Because, okay, that you're right. So if his whole scheme the entire time was just to move up in the ranks of the fourth Reich and then eventually supersede it. Yeah. Well, now he can just take the shortcut. Yeah. And do the American Nazi regime. Oh, snap. That's <laughs> really, really good theory. Uh, I was also just fixated on his last interactions with Millie. Because, um, I mean, that girl, she has got all the gusto and grit that anyone could ever ask for. Like earlier in the, the top of the episode, she comes in and presents her work to these three white guys' superiors who basically, as far as I know, are all very in on this. Yeah. because of how easily they dismissed it. Um, so yeah, I don't trust them. The, the fact that she challenged these obviously corrupt men at all, it's like, I can't believe she even brought it to the table. Yeah. Uh, but that's who she is. She's continuously impressive in very scary situations. You know, I think even, I think in this situation with Travis, to me, I saw her flinch a little in the mm-hmm. sense that I... Yeah, like I actually saw fear in her eyes, but like fear with slight comfort and knowing that like, okay, like he is behind bars. Like I have like that comfort in me, you know what I mean? But at the same time, like you could tell that she was like, this dude means every word he's saying to me right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said last time, she's great at throwing salt back at them. But what Travis said is, it's very precise. Yes. And that is scary. Um, that, like how he said he literally imagines what her face is going to look like as like, didn't he even say like, as he, as he was going to chop up the body of like her lover, like. Yeah. And then use the same knife on her throat. Yes. Yeah. It was very graphic specific. and <laughs> graphic. Graphic is a great word for it. Uh, I, I am pleased that once she returned home, she was presented with an opportunity to maybe continue the hunt with this uh, Jewish congresswoman. Mm-hmm. But I- I'm nervous because I've, this show has kind of taught me not to trust anybody. Yeah. Uh, like, I have no idea who this lady is. I really hope she's genuine. But if she is, it would be great to have the two of them lead the next charge next season. So yeah, I definitely have to try and have some hope there, especially because I feel like there's a reason why um, Millie's mother also passes away in the midst of Millie helping basically take down the Nazis or discover all of this, you know, and how Millie constantly puts the job above all else um, and even her morals, just everything. And I think, and I hope, that there's going to be um, reward on the other end of this with Millie's character, because now that she has lost her mother, even though her mother, um, you know, was accepting of her and her um, sexuality that I hope that on the other side of this, that Millie will end up being rewarded for being so loyal to her job and what she thinks has been right all along. Yeah. And while this offer from uh, the Congresswoman, seems a little it seems too cool to be true for me uh it would be nice if she gets to kind of straddle both worlds by leading the hunters but in a more 
organized way. way. Yeah. 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 Like it's got a little bit of legitimacy, at least backing it. If it's yeah. not legitimate, it's got legitimate backing. Um, and she might be a good replacement uh, as the leadership of the hunters because uh, Meyer has been trying to get Jonah to step up as the leader. And at the top of the episode, he kind of, uh, really pushes him away for failing to follow through and killing Travis in the prior. Yes. He, yeah, he brings back to that. Um, like he keeps touching on it, that hero theory, you know, he tells, mm-hmm. um, Jonah basically, Hey, I essentially don't want anything to do with you. I'm disappointed. I thought that I was grooming you and molding you to do what was necessary when the time came and you couldn't do it. And, you know, we see this situation must have been really serious after the crash. We don't know what transpired after that. All we see is um, Meyer laying in this bed with flowers everywhere, you know, so obviously he's kind of out of the muck and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we see that obviously he's really banged up and the fact that this is what he's saying to, you know, like the, the, the young man that he's been molding and consoling and helping through all of this tragedy in his life the moment that he like can't do the one thing you want him to do, like you push him away. I was just, I was almost like disgusted in the moment and really I was too. disappointed. Is, but at Myers the same time, practically on his deathbed and scolding him for having mercy. Exactly. Right. And like, but at the same time, it was like, that was the most minor thing he could have ever done. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I got it. I got to admit it. And uh, that prompts Jonah to go, renegade more or less like oh i'll go catch a guy all by myself not just a guy like the guy yep he's Um, going after the wolf yeah so he has this revelation uh that ruth might have hid the information the missing file in one of her cookbooks and lo and behold she tracked him down she found the wolf and see as far as jonah knows and like and well and like what i really liked about it is because now we're like kind of back to og jonah You know, we're back to Mm -hmm. the Jonah of why he even became valuable to the hunters. And that's his ability to solve codes and to solve puzzles and put things together that other people aren't seeing. And so I thought it was really neat that he's able to recollect these moments with his grandmother and pick up on these key phrases that she has said to him her entire life. And that's what led him to the cookbooks and to the fridge and ultimately figuring out who the wolf is. Yeah. I mean, I I love that I love seeing his detective skills come together. It's a really like he had, he had the worst movie poster of them all, but it's a really cool <laughs> to watch it to me played out dramatically. Yeah. Uh, so he heads to this plastic surgeon's office and sticks out like a sore thumb. Like that was, that was embarrassingly obvious. He was there for another reason, but turns out this guy uh, doesn't like suspect anything ill of him. He turns out to be a very, um, I don't want to say he's like personable, affable, but he seemed he seemed on the level, and he's see, been played by William Sadler, who I love. See, I almost <laughs> got the opposite vibes. I almost got that this, but then again, I guess it's because I could I had completely bought in at this point. I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I thought that this was the wolf. I was a little skeptical because I'm not going to lie. Throughout the entire season, I thought Biff was the wolf, and so I'm sitting there confused, and I'm like this doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't feel like this is the guy I'm trying to remember back to the scenes of, you know, the young wolf when they're um, in like the concentration camps. And I'm like, I don't see a resemblance, but 
you know, like maybe this is the guy and I'm trying to convince myself, but it doesn't feel right. But at the same time, like the guy seems sketched out by Jonah. And so I was like, there's a lot going on in my head during this. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like weigh Jonah's anxiety. Like he was definitely giving off this, this nervous energy and coming in for a real basic fix that this is way out of this guy, like way above or under this guy's pay grade. Uh, so he had nervous, he had reason to be skeptical of Jonah, but at the same time, he still offered help. And, and I'm also trying to remove myself going like, I know the show wants me to believe this is the guy and it very well is. So to me, him being personable, wasn't necessarily evidence that he's not the wolf, but that ousting this guy is going to be a really great challenge because they got to verify him at least. Or at least I hoped that Jonah would. I was nervous that Jonah wasn't going to verify him and just gun this random dude down in his office. And either the consequence would be he was, in fact, innocent, and now you're just a murderer, yeah. or that he was correct, but still he had to prove it. Yeah. You know, there was, if Jonah went in there as reckless as he has been, there was no good consequence. I was surprised when the wolf left his office completely unscathed and Jonah just was like also had just left the office yeah. without acting on it but then he bashed the dude's head into the car and then delivered him to Meyer so see, you know it's see, there I it will, is I will say that was the one thing that I knew nothing was going to go down in the office because Jonah's desire to be back in the good graces of Meyer and to prove himself because Jonah throughout this entire show has been trying to consistently prove his worth and prove who he is and prove something to people that don't necessarily matter. You know, at the end of the day, like it really, all that matters is what Jonah views himself and thinks of himself. And if Jonah can live with the person that he is every day and he couldn't because he felt like he was consistently letting the people around him down. So it was like, whether he was trying to prove if he was Jewish enough, he was trying to prove if he belonged to the hunters, he was trying to prove that he could be a murderer, you know, like now he's trying to prove his worth yet again to Meyer. And so that was how I knew that nothing was going to pop off in the doctor's office. And I knew that he was somehow going to have to bring the wolf to Meyer. Like I knew that that scene was going to have to go down. I guess I get nervous every time that he, like the fact that he even brought a gun with him, let alone was starting to like grip it in the office. I was like, I, I, I mean, I know you you're on fire at the moment having solved the grand mystery, but how, how far are you going to take this Jonah? I just, you know, he was so hot and ready. See, but like Uh, if he couldn't kill Travis, I couldn't imagine him killing the wolf in the heat of the moment without showing Meyer that he found the wolf. You know what I mean? Your observation is absolutely 100% correct. (laughs) And I'm ashamed that I didn't just like know this. Uh, I got caught up in the moment. (laughs) I assume Jonah would too, but no, he delivers him to Myers, which is yeah. abs- the most Jonah thing that he could yes. have done. Like, Hey, Hey, I brought, I yeah. brought you somebody. Aren't you I did proud it. of me? Look, yeah, look, I did like, it. I found him. Deliver him in his PJs. I was like, Jonah, man, come on. Like there's a, there's an order of operations here, but no, he just, just delivers him. Like breakfast in bed yep. to Meyer. And Meyer, uh, much to my surprise, just like waddles out in his slippers to go confront the wolf. And see, where I was disappointed in myself is the mm-hmm. fact that I didn't pick up on anything 
honestly, like, so how the, how the doctor is sitting there, like shaking his head, like trying to speak, trying to speak, like, I thought he was basically just doing what we had seen all the other Nazis do and basically try to talk out of his rear to save himself. Like, that's what I thought. Every single one of them turned out to be a liar. Like, no. And they all had incredible stories. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I thought. That's what I thought was happening. And then even when Meyer kills the man and Jonah starts kind of freaking out being like, you didn't, you didn't do the ritual. You didn't do what you're supposed to do. And like Jonah starts piecing it together. I was still sitting there just like, is Jonah going crazy? Like, what is Jonah talking about? And like, it's still like, even up until this point, like it, I was like, there's no way there is I thought, no way. I didn't think that it was what it turned out to be. Yeah. I thought it was just Jonah being disappointed. Yeah. Like if, if Jonah is the light to Myers' yeah. darkness, if, if yeah. he's what keeps Myers from completely crossing the line, yeah. then Myers crossed the line. Myers, there's no light left in him. He doesn't say prayers for people. He is not uh, has a man of faith by any means yeah. that he has succumbed to the darkness. And I, so I thought Jonah's being aghast at the, the absence of the prayer was just that, oh, like Ruth would be, oh, you you can't be saved. Like yeah. you, there's no going back for you. We've lost you, Meyer. Yeah. Um, what it turns out is that it wasn't Meyer all along. He forgot the prayer because this man never knew about it. Because he was this never man Jewish. <laughs> is the wolf exactly all along. And what a twist. See, this is my unpopular opinion. I was disappointed in this. I almost felt that it was lazy. I just, I wasn't, I just wasn't okay with it being Meyer. I thought that it was, I don't even know how to like, like articulate what I'm trying to say, because even like the story that he fed up of, oh, I took him to the woods and I killed him and then I fleed and then people recognized me. So I got my face changed and then I came to America and I said I was this guy and I've lived his whole life and I've kind of been a Jewish, but psych, I was never actually a Nazi. Like it just became too much of a stretch for me. Like I would have much rather the show taken the approach of this being Meyer all along, this being his grandfather, them finding the wolf together Meyer maybe even mercifully choosing not to kill the wolf, but getting his own closure in his own way and, you know, like accepting the justice system or something and like Jonah helping him and him able to come to like come to that closure and Jonah and Meyer do this as grandson and grandfather. And I would have much rather had that ending rather than this very, very fabricated ending that it came to be. Um. Your opinion isn't that unpopular. You had the same one? Yes. Because I literally, when we watched it, I was like, that ending, I was like, that just pissed me off. Like, that actually bothered me. So, I, it's one of those, like, as it was happening, it, like, I just refused to accept it. Yeah. To the point where I was like, maybe he's making up this fabrication yeah. to save 
Jonah's morality or somewhere yeah. would like to protect Jonah from the truth that he, that Meyer, this is actually Meyer and Meyer is the light and Meyer is gone, you know, yeah. like some, something greater than identity, but no, this was just a matter of a fake identity. Yeah. Um, God. Um, I don't want to like bash. That's not what we do here at after buzz, yeah. but, and pile on the negativity, but I felt the same way. Um, I don't know if I would use the word lazy, but again, it's probably appropriate because they've been teasing since episode five, I think that Meyer's been withholding something that there's a secret and that, and we've been saying it all night that Meyer is proving more and more to be a less good individual, that there is a darkness in Meyer that is so deep that it's overtaking those around him and he's making bad judgment calls and it's corrupting Jonah. Uh, I never expected it was because he secretly was one of these hate-filled Nazis, but But at the same time, this revelation does seem like it comes from very little setup. Yes. Um, And And, go on. And and I was just going to say like, and it almost like, now, like you can really, I was able to really read into more things, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you go back to, I'm blanking on her name, but the woman that he just shot point blank. Uh, Tilda. You know, Tilda. Tilda. There we go. Sour or something. Um, like now it makes sense because he knew it was her because he knew her. He probably had seen her, had interactions with her, but it also is a testament to do how evil and manipulative he actually was as a human because at that point he had no other reason to kill her other than like we have said self-serving ones because ultimately he knew her and i think he really shot her because she potentially maybe could have revealed who he was uh yeah i think you're you're right uh you had mentioned a couple episodes ago how he was manipulative and i disagreed with that word i was like i don't think manipulative is quite the right word but Boy, was I wrong. That's absolutely what he was doing. Um, yeah, and throughout the whole season, uh, Tilda, you're absolutely right. That had to have been the case. It, it makes perfect sense. Because every time that they would bring up like a photo and, and like compare it to an old man and be like, is this the guy? You know, I'm always like, well, you know, people age differently. You can't, uh, I don't know how good you are at recognizing someone from a phot- photograph that is 40 years old. Yeah. But if he, knew them personally then yes it would absolutely make sense how he was able to confirm so many people so easily yep same with um in the uh like farmhouse the guy that they were electrocuting same oh yeah von braun yeah von braun mm -hmm. yep uh the banker he was like i'm like i don't know how he has this banker pegged so well but now i do so i guess i guess that was the setup was there if you focus on that because outside of it, he really did change himself completely. And I guess that's the other thing I find a little bit far-fetched is how someone can be compared to all these other Nazis who have been blending in and building new lives and creating new identities for themselves. But that this guy wouldn't create a new identity, but really commit to a previously established one. Yeah. And, and go through plastic surgery and learn all the mannerisms and change his dialect and, become a master of the Jewish faith, which is not 
something you just study on. It's not like taking a test, you know, there is a lot to it. And I, I appreciate Jonah calling him out being like, that does not make you Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> However much you may study the lore and now subscribe to the lessons in the Torah, like that does not make you Jewish. And that to me calls right back to that conversation he had with Simon. Yeah. About what Judaism really is. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Like I cool. was just, I was just, this is the only time in the show I've been disappointed. And like, I get where the intrigue is and I get like that. It's like, Oh my gosh, surprise. Myers actually the wolf. Like I get on paper how much it could make sense and be, you know, exciting and intriguing, but watching it, I was just like, dang. I had so many thoughts. I had just as many thoughts running through my head as they were, there were cutaways for that sequence. Like, I mean, the show was definitely racking my brain. Like it was, trying to do that and it was very successful and you know that's good entertainment i'm all about that it was successful in what it was trying to do but where it left me was it here's i think what made me disappointed about it this entire show is essentially jewish wish fulfillment i remember the creator talking about that every time that we get to see these vengeance stories with nazis it's not the jewish people doing it. I think the closest one we've seen is uh, the glorious bastards. There's the bear juice. Like there's like one guy taking it out, but every other time you see it and every other Tarantino flick or captain America, or wonder woman, they're not people of the Jewish faith or people who survived the Holocaust getting the vengeance. It's somebody else mm-hmm. doing it for them. And this show was the one instance where we let Jews have their fun. Yeah. But if it was all arranged by a, a Nazi, Nazi. A, a secret Nazi, then, then you take that away from them. To me, this was on a level, and here, uh, I'm going to piss off the internet right now. This was like if it turned out not only was Ray a secret Palpatine in the last Skywalker. Spoilers, guys. Sorry. Uh, but it turned out she was Emperor Palpatine all along. Yeah. You know, that's what this felt like. Yeah. So... That's, I guess, what disappointed me about it. Not that it didn't fit narratively, because I'll give it that. It, it really does set up season two, yeah. where Meyer's now out of the picture, that Jonah has to step up and take the reins and come at it with a whole new type of vengeance, a whole new perspective. Yeah. It, narratively, it sets up a great season two, yeah. but as far as how it treats season one and the premise of this show, I feel like it betrays it. And, and I, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that... Like I said, on paper, it's a great idea. On paper, it's fiery. On paper, it makes sense. It's cool. They executed it well, as you said, but it just left a lot to be desired. And I guess the only piece that, and I get, and no, because I'm still even disappointed in the fact that I could find some appreciation and the fact that they actually had Jonah, um, you know, come full circle and he was able to step up and do what needed to be done in this moment. And he killed Meyer, but it wasn't him actually stepping up. I feel like for the right reasons, like he still, I don't know, like it just still just didn't sit right that it ended up being Meyer, him being the one that he killed, you know, I felt like what they were trying to do was 
we've been talking about how Jonah has slowly been turning into Meyer. Yeah. Uh, that he's lives less of Ruth and more of Meyer in him. And at the top of the episode, we got that wonderful conversation, the flashback with Meyer and Ruth and uh, about this, about Jonah and what will eventually be his legacy because they were discussing uh, the character reveal of Meyer uh, over time and how he relates to Jonah and what that's, how he's going to impact him. And because Jonah has that light that yeah. Meyer used to have. So in that conversation, it's fake Meyer talking yeah. about his relationship yeah. with Jonah. Yeah. And Ruth is worried that fake Meyer thinking it's real Meyer is going to corrupt real Meyer's light that has yeah. been revived through Jonah. Yes. So that I made that as confusing as I possibly could. <laughs> But what that means is at the end of the episode, that I think they were trying to set up that by Jonah being more and more like Meyer, and at the very end, uh, fake Meyer goes, or, you know, the wolf, says like, Meyer, he recognizes Meyer yes. in Jonah. Yes. So I feel like what the show was trying to do was be like, Meyer got, real Meyer got, got his, his revenge yeah. through Jonah. So yes. real Meyer is the one who makes the kill in the end and yeah. and thus everything's tied up neatly in that. Yes. The trouble is what the wolf saw in Jonah wasn't real Myers light. Yeah. It was fake Myers's darkness. Yeah. So if that was what the staff was going for in writing this, I feel like it was a really, really cool and creative attempt, yeah. but it fails itself thankfully the show doesn't end there it still drops a lot more stuff to set up next season uh first and foremost is that again sister harriet i don't know where she stands on who she's really working for i feel like she's a double agent she is sketchy mcsketchster and after the revelation of meyer i'm like i don't need more of that yeah yeah um but then it goes even further with they've kidnapped Joe uh-huh. and somehow drove him all the way to Argentina. <laughs> yep. Uh, to where, and oh man, was the, did this pull the rug out from underneath me? So this entire episode, we've been seeing this flashback of these, these blonde kids frolicking through the cornfield. And tossing and, like a ball in the air. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, okay, so who is this kid? Is this like really young Meyer? And we're getting further backstory or just some artistic uh, well, representation of Meyer's innocence. Their clothes too were very 1950s. Yeah. Very like 1940s, appropriate. 50s. 30s, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very period yeah. appropriate. Yeah. So I kept thinking it was a flashback of young Meyer. Maybe it's a yeah. flashback of the wolf. Like it's, it's something setting up this narrative yep. that Jonah is pulling together by introducing yep. these two. But no, no, turns out it's four separate <laughs> children. That all look the same. Are very Aryan and living in the present day of 1977. And my first thought was, okay, we're in Argentina, which is notoriously the uh, the where the conspiracy of Nazis, like this is where they all fled. They like the theory is they all fled to Argentina for some reason. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool. So these are like Hitler clones. These are young Hitler clones. Uh They are trying to. I mean, they're trying to reincarnate 
the Fuhrer and they've got four copies as a failsafe. Well, and they what literally had they literally had the stereotypical how you always hear blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, and as they're sitting there and we see, socks and everything, and we see the colonel come in, and I want to say there was one episode that they referenced the governor. Like there was one episode that they hinted that there was someone above the colonel. They and did. I just and remembered, I wondered if that person was even real. Yes. And I was like, oh, like there's someone else that we still have to discover who this person is. And then they didn't bring it up again. Oh, but lo and behold, it's actually Hitler. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> hold on. So these kids aren't who I thought they were. And there's four of them. And oh my God, the colonel's still alive. I don't know how she got out of that. Is yep. uh, walking as well as she is. But yeah, I was right there with Joe and the completely bewildered look on his face <laughs> that there's this old man stepping down the walkway. And yeah, I was literally just the whole scene because they did, I mean, they did a brilliant job producing. Oh, yeah. You know, just building the drama, building the tension and you're just sitting there. I was completely on the edge of my scene. I was like, there's no way. There yeah. is no freaking way that this oh, is man. who they're about to make this person be and the fact that all they did all they had to show was the mustache i was like i love they did that <laughs> <laughs> i love it, it really it saved like not i won't say saved because i still thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this episode and even though my slight dip of disappointment for who the wolf ended up being like this brought me right back up to where i was when i was watching this whole episode because i was just like this is why this show is awesome they just freaking brought back hitler yeah i mean and that's the kind of like b-movie nonsense i signed up for and i love i can't wait to see this b-movie setup done in the uh the nitty and gritty style that this show has like the very raw grounded uh kind of violence that it does i can't wait for them to tell us the story of how hitler um survived or how he came to america because I feel like that has to be when and if there's a season two, that has to be one of the first things brought up. And I feel like they have to kind of tell Joe, you know, like explain to Joe how this is possible. I hope they just lay it out on the table, Bond <laughs> villain style, because I got so many questions. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yo, my first one, though. And so I guess let's go right into our predictions. Like, yeah. we're, we're, there's nothing to talk about the news. I've done a special segment because this and is now, all I want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we can talk about season two and what we think. Uh, one thing that I don't know if this qualifies is a prediction, but we learned the colonel's name. Did we ever hear it before? No. Okay. So the governor here, Governor Hitler, uh, <laughs> that's, that's fun to say, yeah, it just... called her Ava. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is she named for her mother? So did Ava... Braun and Hitler not commit suicide in a bunker, but instead they together flew out of the country, had a child, and raised this girl as her successor, which is the only reason I can think of is why there's a female successor to the Fourth Reich. Yes. No, I really think that that's pretty much what it has to be. And I can't wait to hear the story of how they managed to get out. And how they've also managed to fake the entire world into thinking that he's dead. I mean, this whole thing has been about the power of secrecy and cover-ups, conspiracy, 
uh, painting a completely different picture of reality and current affairs in this in America and the world uh, as orchestrated by Nazis or those who aid and abet them. And I also so, feel like this show is also pretty much made us contemplate if there really is a good and evil because and because I, I feel like even especially during this time you saw the person next to you and you placed judgments on them or you automatically you know didn't like them for whatever reason and in reality like Americans brought the Nazis who we were supposed not to like and who did all these evil things based on our definition of what evil is and what doing bad things to people are, but we brought them to America, you know? So it's like in reality, like where is there even a line of what's good, what's bad, what's evil, what's not who we like, who we don't like, like there's just a lot. And that like, I just, wouldn't put it past this show and somehow incorporating the fact that we are bringing Hitler to America. And there's some just reason why the Americans decided to do it. So this show, yes, absolutely is all about the nature of morality yeah. and the gray areas that in, exist in between good and evil. I'm going to, I wholeheartedly think that there is a definite, a definitive evil. Yeah. But with the Americans, deciding to harbor Nazis for the greater good of the country. And it's that phrase that I feel like is what, what is that? Yes. I I think, I I think we know what evil is based on what the Nazis Mm -hmm. have done, but this notion of what is the greater good is the one that gets people. Well, and it's mostly the fact that, because remember back to the episode where it, it it wasn't even their justification for the greater good. It was the fear of, someone being better and oh, it was someone the f- committing that same atrocity like at least if we commit it then we're safe well no because remember they said they were like well what if the soviets got them yeah what if the I soviets mean. use them yeah so it was more so the fear of someone having the power and being better than us so we're going to keep the we're going to keep it to ourselves and yeah. be in control of it it's it's uh yeah someone's going to do the bad thing it might as well be us there's a gun on the table we might as well be the one holding it. Yes. Whereas I would be like, or you could just not like dismantle the gun. Yeah. No one can use it, but whatever. Because at the end of this episode, Biff Simpson is <laughs> renewed now as Boris Frodsky, yep. which great name. Takes and, another and identity. So now we've got this like high ranking Nazi who was also a high ranking American Senator in the hands of the Russians. So, and like, you but, know, in, it, but in reality, and like, that's the other crazy thing about the show. We'd still never really learned anything about Biff. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're totally right. Like <laughs> oh, he God. had such a hand in the entire show and in the fluidity of the show, but we really have no idea who he is. We don't know what he did in like in Germany. We don't know what he did to the, to the Jews. Like we know nothing about him. Yeah. It's a really God, he's uh, he's still the wild card. Yeah, ah! I know. Oh God, and season two is going to be freaking crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I I look forward to it. Same. Yeah, Good as luck. flabbergasted as this episode left me, and I'm still eager to be like, okay, all right, tell me, television, how's this going down? <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, uh, but we have to wait a good while 
until that's going to happen. This is the final episode of season one. So uh, I, I plan on being back for season two. Uh, and we hope that you, our fans, come back for season two when that happens. Because we, we're definitely going to be there covering this stuff. So <laughs> if you like what we've been doing so far, like, subscribe, uh, give us five stars on the iTunes. Uh, thank you all so much for being here, for sticking it out with us. Uh, we know this was a long process in getting out these episodes, but I'm, I'm glad for how it went down because this was a grand finale. Uh, thank you, audience, so much for being here. Thank you, Haley, so much for being here. Of course. Um, any final thoughts before we, we close this fi- first chapter? Oh, man. I am just so happy that I got to come on the back end of this ride and talk about this show <laughs> with all of you. Because as you can tell, I really loved it. And I cannot wait for season two. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, in the meantime, where can everyone find you online? You can all follow me on Instagram, Haley Graves with two S's. That's H-A-L-E-Y-G-R-A-V-E-S-S. And on Twitter, Haley one Graves 2 <laughs> Awesome. And if you guys want to discuss the nature of morality and the metaphysical quandaries of uh, ethics, whatever, I like throwing out buzzwords on Twitter. And it's, <laughs> it's Kevin Allen says and Instagram at Kevin Allen Graham. Uh, yeah, you guys, uh, this has been an amazing production. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. And uh, when it comes more time to hunt more Nazis, we'll see you then. Yep. And in the meantime, afterbuzztv.com. Lots of written articles. It's what we're doing in our meantime. And hey, there's just about an after show for everything you're watching these days. So make sure you check it out on all things on YouTube, After Best TV. We've got a lot of good stuff for you guys. That's true. Because I just finished this binge watch. It means you got to start another one. <laughs> all right, I'll be Same. looking for your recommendations. All right. Night, everyone. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.